Well, everyone, welcome to our Sunday service, Church at Home, week 16. I can't believe how many weeks we've had to do this, and I'm actually kind of getting used to it. I was in Eugene uh, today, actually. Today's Thursday, and it's about 7.15 p.m., and I was in Eugene uh, running errands and seeing my dentist, Dr. Ari, at the 360 Dental, and someone was asking me, you know, how, how we've been doing with our services, and one person even asked, are you back meeting yet? And I said, you need to stop asking me that question. No, I'm just kidding. I, what I said was, is I said, no, we're still on phase one, and once we get to phase two, we'll open up, and they said, is it, do you miss the people? I said, yeah, I totally miss the people, and I said, I'm kind of getting used to talking into a camera but I felt like I told a lie because I'm not getting used to it. I don't, I don't want to get used to this because I want to live within the hope of meeting back in the building with you guys one day soon. And I actually truly believe it's going to happen. Okay. And you have to believe that too. Like how many more weeks? I don't know how many more weeks, but I, I just, I have to believe that no matter how many more weeks it is, I'm just going to say this. It doesn't matter because it's going to happen. And if you're going to just count down those hours and days and weeks, chances are you're going to be like a little kid sitting in front of a Christmas tree with presents piled up. And the days and weeks leading towards Christmas are the most miserable because you just can't wait. But you know that it's a good thing that you're waiting for. And so I just want to encourage you guys and gals. I really believe, and I hope you do too, that no matter what, we are going to get back to meeting in person sooner or later one of these weeks to come. As I mentioned eight weeks ago, it's going to be when it's obvious, when the pandemic, at least the curve here in Newport is flattened and we're in phase two and, and all the rest. And so I just want to encourage you guys right now with what the Bible says, as you're gathered at your house, maybe you're by yourself, maybe you're watching on your phone or your laptop, or maybe you're on your big screen with your sound bar up full blast. This is what Paul said in Hebrews 11. Let me back that up. Hebrews 10. This is what Paul said in Hebrews 10. He said, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering because the one who promised it to us is faithful. That's so cool. Paul just says, man, don't waver in the hope because the one who promised it to us, he's faithful. Time out. Big boy question here. Big girl question. Do you believe that God is good all the time? The answer is yes. I'll just answer it for you. All the time. Then we can hold fast our hope because the one who promised it to us is faithful. Regardless of what's going on around us. Regardless of what's going on beyond us. He goes on to say this in verse 25. I want to Start with this in today's service. He goes on to say, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. Now, a lot of people have been using this verse saying, see, it says, don't forsake the assembling. We got to get together. And I say to that a hearty amen. We do have to get together. But it doesn't mean we can't get together in this certain situation that we're in right now. It means we must hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful, not forsaking the gathering. Listen, listen. That means that while we can't gather here, you must gather there. 
you gotta be doing it. Not like an Eeyore, sorry, dragging your feet, but instead, if this is what we gotta do, this is what we have to do, this is what we're gonna do, then let's hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. Let's get after it, let's do it. Let's have fun. My wife and I just prayed. She's my main camera crew today. I got all these cameras and she's running them all and my kids are posted up in the green room. And I just, we just prayed and I thanked God for this little tiny gathering that I get my wife here and my kids and they, we get to grow up in the ministry and, and, and do these things. We're celebrating that. And so now I get to get in the word and we're gonna watch this service on Sunday and I just wanna encourage you guys. I wanna exhort you to keep going. Right now you probably feel like slowing down and backing off. And I would just encourage you. As a matter of fact, today we're gonna go into a time of worship in just a minute. But after the worship time, the study time is gonna be in 2 Kings chapter six. And in 2 Kings chapter six, it's like a conglomeration of stories, one after another, that require faith, that include obstacles, that also have challenges, that also have difficulties and things that are downright bad. And the reason why I believe we are going to study that today and why the Lord has led me back to 2 Kings, it's the story right after King Naaman, is because we just need to look back in our rearview mirror in the history of faith and see what the men and women did in their own particular trials and challenges and then draw from their faith and make our conclusions in the one who is faithful. You see, God has called you for such a time as this to live in such an era as this nothing is wasted and nothing is out of God's control. So I wanna exhort you guys and don't forget all of the things happening already that you can participate in. If you haven't yet participated in one of our Zoom sessions online, our CR sessions on Tuesday, I dare you to do it this week. No matter who you are, no matter where you're at, Pastor Adam Durkin oversees our, our Celebrate Recovery Zoom sessions. There's a women's one and then there's a men's one. You can get the details on our Facebook or our website. And Pastor Adam Durkin, after the Zoom session last week said, guys, it was so powerful. The Lord showed up. He was, it was powerful. And man, if you're missing out on fellowship and stuff like that, then don't forsake the assembling of the brethren. Do it this week. Our youth group, they're online right now, Thursday night, Bible study, 7 p.m. We just prayed for Pastor Rory and the leaders. They're gathering Thursday nights at seven and there's other times you can meet up with them online. They're doing activities as well. Our Sunday school pastor, Bo Douglas, sends out curriculum material for all of our parents and grandparents and guardians so you can walk your children through Bible studies and take them to links and watch so-and-so videos and all the rest. And the women are gathering on Wednesdays at 10 a.m. They're Zooming as well. And if you haven't done that yet, well, I'm busy and I can't get out of the house. You can do it at your house. Do it on your phone. Just download the Zoom app. And man, it's not that hard and it will be rewarding as the Lord tests you and sees, are you gonna press in during this time that's not ideal, during this time that is unfortunate? but there still is opportunities for you to feed yourself and to get plugged in. Our young adult group, ages 18 to 26 thereabouts, is also right now during phase one Zooming. They were meeting at Adam's house, but the recent spike in COVID cases were back to Zooming. And so that's happening. Our life groups are also uh, meeting throughout the, the county. And so those groups are kind of deciding where to meet and when to meet. Some are Zooming, some are having their homes uh, opened up and people are quarantining and sharing and making sure that they're staying safe and social distancing. You can contact Pastor Adam or go to southbeachchurch.org and find out about that and how to connect through our life groups. And there's also watch parties where people are choosing to invite others over to their house on Sunday at nine o'clock. 
11 o'clock or 6 o'clock. You can invite your neighbors or your friends or your family and invite them over to watch the service. And then to maybe even right after that, jump onto our website and check out the life group questions that go along with the teaching. Those are posted on Sunday, uh, Saturday night, really, and you can watch those video questions that come out and go deeper. There's all kinds of ways, you guys. And one of the um, most exciting ways that I've been looking forward to every single day is our 5 by 5 by 5 reading program. And we're still in June. Today, Sunday, would be June 28th. And in June, guys, this is ridiculous. We finished Romans. We went through Ephesians. We went through Philippians. We conquered Colossians. We went through Philemon. My son asked me a couple questions. Dad, what's up with Philemon? What's going on here? How come there's only one? What's going on? And I said, well, it's just a short letter that Paul wrote to Philemon. And, and Nemo, he's, he's a thinker. He's deep. He's like, why? <laughs> he just he didn't, have, he didn't have that much to say to Philemon. And the same with Jude. You know, he just had one, just a little bit. Jude only had just a little bit to write. Anyways, and now we're in Luke. The Gospel of Luke, 24 chapters back in the Gospels. In Luke chapter 1 and chapter 2, if you're reading along with us, you did this yesterday. Man, it's the, the, the birth story of Jesus. It's Christmas in June. This is so legit. And I want to encourage you guys. Luke chapter 2. It's, it's a long one. It's like maybe 70 verses or something. I can't remember. But the fulfillment of the prophecies. The angels singing. Simeon. When he sees baby Jesus. Eight days old. They're in the temple. And Simeon. Simeon, Luke chapter 2, Simeon sees baby Jesus and he sees Mary Mary and Jojo, Mary and Joseph, and he grabs that baby boy. He says, God, you told me that before I died, I would see the promised one. (laughs) And now here he is. Now I can die in peace. And Mary, Mary Mary and Jojo are like, what's this guy saying? He's super old. You know, they didn't understand all the things. How we get encouraged from God's word. Because God's word is where our faith comes from. And faith comes from hearing God's word and faith is a muscle that we work. So I want to encourage you guys, exhort you. I want to challenge you. Get back in the book. Stay in fellowship. Don't slow down. We're going to study that in just a few minutes. We're going to go to worship right now though. And so I want you guys to prepare your hearts. And I'll remind you right now. Worship. Worship isn't for God's sake. He's not in heaven saying, I'm going to listen to you sing. It's going to make me feel good about myself. You know, It's not about God with his complex he has up in heaven and he needs us. No, listen, God has given worship as a gift to us that when we obey and worship him, it heals you, it blesses you, it changes you, it softens your heart, it gives you peace and focus, it takes the anxiety and throws it as far as the east is from the west. When you worship the Lord your God, your maker, and you worship him, it's a gift. The Bible says in the book of 1 John that the commandments of the Lord are not burdensome. They're not burdensome. It's not burdensome to study, to read, to pray, to worship. Your flesh thinks so. The devil wants you to believe that. But the Lord says that, man, when you worship me, it's like that linen garment that the priest would wear. It's just, it's light. It's free. I would encourage you, battle your flesh even right now. Don't turn it down and go refreshing your coffee. Set your coffee down, turn it up. We're going to worship the Lord because it's going to change our lives. Would you bow your heads? Father, in Jesus' name, would you anoint this time of worship? Would you anoint, Lord, your worshipers? You exhorted us and said, guys, if the days grow darker, don't forsake the gathering. 
but even more so, press in, hold fast to your confession because the one who promised is faithful. Lord, would you bless this time as we worship. Thank you for Pastor Ryan, Lord, and the team, and Lord, all that they put into these sets for us. And we just put all the glory back to you. We need you, we pray to you, we seek you. Help us to find you right now to touch the hem of your garment. If you're, if you're needy right now, man, you just need a touch from the master. Would you reach out to him? And Holy Spirit, would you pour yourself out liberally to all those who seek you in spirit and in truth. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. There's no one beside you forever.
Well, everyone, I hope you had an amazing time of worship with the Lord and worship unto the Lord. The Bible actually says that we are to bring a sacrifice of praise. See, in the Old Testament, they brought sacrifices to the Lord to show their appreciation, and that was their worship. They would bring bulls and rams and lambs, and we don't do that anymore. And so there's things that we bring to the Lord to worship Him, one of which is a sacrifice of praise. It's where you worship Him, you sing to Him, you you testify of his goodness at all times and sometimes it takes a sacrifice there's other things we give to the lord our first fruits hopefully you're in the habit of giving to the lord the first fruits of your day every single day you maybe spend some time praying journaling thinking listening worshiping and reading Uh, we also bring to the lord the first fruits of our our income whatever the lord gives to us he asks us to worship him with that. And you guys have been so faithful with that. I appreciate you guys doing that here at South Beach and, and all the missions that we're supporting and the giving that continues to happen here at South Beach. And so it's all, really, I'm just gonna say this simply, it's all a test. Everything we're doing right now is a test. How we respond to the things of this world and to the, it's like a taste test as the devil comes in and tries to tempt us and lure us to go astray and find ourselves deviating from the path in the Lord through the sunrise and the sunset and through the seasons and through the times and through life and relationships and people and his spirit and his word and in the church, he's wooing us to himself. It's this great battle of allegiance. And I would encourage you today, turn to 2 Kings chapter six in your Bible. It's Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, 1 Kings, 2 Kings. Open up to 2 Kings chapter 6. Chapter 6 comes after 1, chapter 2, you get it. Chapter 6. And turn to chapter 6. And here's the deal. What we're going to study today is a series of stories. And next Sunday, we're going to study 2 Kings chapter 7. So you can go ahead and read ahead and check that out. And the reason why I want to get into these stories is because they backdrop along with what we're doing here in our 2020 days, difficult times, perilous realities, confusing situations, testing times. And this is how it's always been. Man, as a Christian right now, I would encourage you to settle into that fact that you're in a race, that you're in a fight, that you're in a test right now. And it, it's, not, it's not the most important about what our government does for you. Okay, God's not gonna judge you based on your neighbor or your government or your pastor or your church. <laughs> He's gonna have a sit down, come to Jesus meeting with you. And the way to stay strong in this race, I've ran multiple marathons, a few ultra marathons, a couple half marathons and some duathlons and triathlons. I've been running all over the place. And there's training that's important, man. And there's gear that's imperative for your journey. But once it comes to race day, 
It's great. I mean, you old racers out there, you know you can do everything right and you can have the nutrition and all that down. When it's race day, though, it's just sheer grit. Okay, you got to get it done. Most of your plans go out the window. Most of your pacing is off if you're not a professional racer, which I'm not. But you just got to dig down deep and keep going. You can't quit. And there's some times in races where it's fun. It's exciting. They're all there and you're, you got high energy and it's shared energy. <laughs> but after a while, you're just looking around going, what in the world am I doing here? And you have to keep going. You can't stop. And, and as you keep going, you also have to keep, listen, fueling. You have to keep taking in. And the scriptures are our fuel. And as you study God's word and look into his precepts and to his promises, we hold fast to that confession. Remember I just read to you out of Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25, holding fast to that confession of our faith. And Because he who promised is faithful. <sighs> faithful. Faithful. The Bible says that when we are faithless, he remains faithful for he cannot deny himself. That's a great promise. If you've ever had a faithless day, a faithless week or month or year, yet the Bible also says, I want you to be a people of faith. Even though we are faithless from time to time, we are living by faith, not by sight. Your faith muscle is what's being tested right now. It's what's being pressed in and pressed upon. And let me just read to you quickly out of Hebrews 11. You just listen. And then we're going to jump into 2 Kings 6 because I want to invest in your faith today. I want your faith to grow. Hebrews chapter, no, no, Romans chapter 10, verse 17 says, faith comes by hearing God's word. And so for the next two weeks, we're going to be studying a lot of portions of the Old Testament because I want you to hear God's word and get some more faith. But here's what it says in the book of Hebrews chapter 11. It's called the Hall of Faith. It lists a bunch of characters and the attributes that are associated to their life and their test is faith. I'm just going to read it quickly. I'm not going to give you the verses. I'm going to try and just highlight some of this. It says, by faith, Abel offered to God a sacrifice. By faith, Enoch was taken away. By faith, Noah was warned of the things to come. By faith, Abraham obeyed. By faith, he dwelt in the land. By faith, Sarah conceived strength. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed his sons. By faith, Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of his departure. By faith, Moses, Momo, I love Moses. Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three days. By faith, Moses became of age. He refused to be called the sons of the Pharaoh's daughter. By faith, he forsook Egypt. By faith, he kept the Passover. By faith, they passed through the Red Sea on dry land. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down. By faith, the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe. And what more shall I say, verse 32? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, also of David and Samuel and the prophets, which we're going to study today, the prophet Elisha, who through faith, listen, subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouth of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the enemies of the foreigners. Women received their dead, raised to life again. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. Still others had trial of mockings, scourgings, yes, and of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were tempted. They were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, 
and tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. And they wandered in the deserts, in the mountains, and in the dens, in the caves of the earth. All these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise. God having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. What? Guys, how you doing? Y'all messed up? You scared? You been tested? Are you mad? Have things been hard for you? And they have for all of us in varying degrees. Some of you have lost jobs. Some of you have lost relationships. Some of you have lost loved ones. There's been a spike. There's been people within your circle. By now, there's somebody in your circle who's been impacted by this virus. Each one of us have been tested. Maybe it's just mind games and and battles of the mind. Whatever the case is, this list of men and women who in the past were tested, the writer to the Hebrews said that all these obtained a good testimony. That means that God looked at them and said, hey, 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 good job. You did well. Come again. I did well. Did you notice how I got sawn in two? You see that part when I got sawn in two? He's like, yeah, that was, that was crazy. Can't believe you were still praising me when they sawed you in two. I can't believe it. I can't believe that I gave you a promise. And at the end of your life, God would say to these men and women, you didn't, you didn't, you didn't arrive at the promise because it wasn't for you. It was for the generation after you and beyond you. And yet by faith, you obtained a good testimony. This changes everything. That you have this eternal perspective in your temporal test. That you have an expectation of coming good. We call that hope. A confident expectation of coming good. An awareness of his thereness. Today I was in Eugene driving around, man, and I had appointments and I got the root canal, I got the, the, the crown put on, man, the, the final piece and, and had some other stuff to do. And it was hot, which I like the heat, but it was, that was traffic and all the rest. And, and at one point the Lord just said, do you think I'm here with you, Luke, today in all this? Do you think I'm here with you all day? You got to drive to Eugene early and get stuff done and go home and then teach? And I answered the question in my head. Yeah, I do. I do think you're here. <laughs> And the Lord kind of rebuked me. He's like, then act like it. <laughs> and he just kind of told me to check my attitude. And I began to then just step into the awareness of his thereness. And it changed everything. I went to Mucho Gusto a few minutes later. One of the best Mexican restaurants, <laughs> in my opinion. And I walked in and this lady working there. She had a mask on. I had my mask on. We're all masked up. And couldn't really see each other. We could see our eyes, though. And I could just tell something was just, she knew. And she looked at me and smiled big. She said, how's your day going? And I smiled and I thought, perfect. And when I said perfect, she, she kind of took a step back. Most people don't say perfect. They say, I'm okay, I'm okay. And this lady, you could tell something. She realized that she was perfect too. She said, me too. And we could just tell that was the end of our conversation. I ordered some, some fish tacos, man, and we were done. And yet I, I decided to be full of joy in the midst of my, my day. And I just want to encourage you and exhort you. You're racing. You're being tested. And right now, open up to 2 Kings chapter 6 because there's going to be some stories that we're going to study this morning or this evening or wherever you're at that you need to tuck away. And say, remember that story where Elisha was with his homies and, and, and that particular test happened? And remember this. There's about three stories we're going to get through today. And, and I'm going to get into this because I'm going to run out of time if I don't get after it. So look at verse 1 of chapter 6. This comes on the heels of 
the story we studied three weeks ago, which was Naaman, the leader of the Syrian army, the commander who was healed by Elisha and Gehazi. And, and now we find ourselves Gehazi and Elisha, the man of God, the prophet of God, moving forward. Let's just go ahead and check it out. This is a old school Bible study. Okay, Sunday, that's what we're doing today. So check this out. Hopefully you're a sermon note taker. Write some stuff down. Here we go. It says, and the sons of the prophets said to Elisha, see now the place where we dwell with you is too small for us. Please let us go to the Jordan and let every man take a beam from there and let us make there a place where we may dwell. And so Elisha said to them, go. Now, Elisha was the headmaster, the teacher of these young up and coming pastors, these prophet guys. And they were living in these quarters and it was too small. There was too many of these guys becoming ministers and pastors and preachers. And so they were growing and they were running out of room. So we see here within the scriptures, a building expansion, a project where they need more space. And the cool thing about this story is during this time, I'm just going to be honest, it wasn't a good time. There was conflict up north with Israel. There was conflict down south with Benjamin and Judah. And there was bad kings everywhere. And yet there was a man of God, the prophet of God, Elisha, who had a double portion, a double portion from Elijah. And even in the midst of bad times, there was good growth because there was a man of God holding the line, towing the line. And can I just say, let's be that guy. Let's be Elisha. No matter what's going on with the kings around and the people here, let's stay the course. This guy, his building expansion needed to happen because there was growth in the midst of difficulty. And I'm not gonna, I'm just gonna humbly say, I'm so thankful for South Beach Church for, we're coming up on our 10-year anniversary being here in August this year. And, and I've, it's just been, there's been growth on, in the co- on the coastline. It's a difficult place to grow anything here, man. And yet God has been faithful to his word. And there's growth. We're actually looking to expand, not this building, but wherever God would lead us. Be praying right now in these upcoming weeks. We're, we're trying to make some decisions on where the church should relocate and what land to purchase. And we are trusting God for that. And we believe God is not done with this church, but he has a future. We've got some things going on right now. Hopefully we'll have updates soon. But we see this growth here. And these these prophet guys say to Elisha, hey, let's go get some beams and we're gonna build some stuff. This was before building permits and before codes and ordinances. Wouldn't that be awesome if it was this easy? It's not anymore, but we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. And they say, we're going. And Elisha just says, go. Now look at verse three. Then one said, please consent to go with your servants. And he answered, I will go. This is cool. Elisha's the boss. He's the big guy. He's the, the mentor. And the other guys are mentees. I'm not sure if that's right. I kind of need a mento right now. But anyways, this guy, they, they, they go, and Elisha's like, yeah, go for it. And they say, you know what? We, we will, but we kind of want you to go with us. Like, we, we like your presence. You're not just our boss telling us what to do. You're our friend going with us where we go. And I think this is really cool. Because within, and it's not happening here, maybe not much anymore. But there is this false way of leading others with this domineering spirit where we lord it over people. You can do this wrongly in places of business or in your family or in in a ministry. And yet we see modeled here, these guys just liked Elisha. They wanted to be with them. They didn't want to escape his presence. They weren't, they wanted him to be with them. And yet, you know what I see in here is principles and types. And we're going to pull some, some types and principles and, out of, and some shadows out of these stories. One of the st- principles we see here 
is that Elisha wasn't going to go with them until he was invited. And as soon as he was invited, he went with them. Did you know that the Lord is similar to that? That he won't impose himself upon you. He will be kind to you. He will lead you. He will tell you what you need to know. But oftentimes he's waiting for you to invite him to go with you on your journey. As a matter of fact, right now, if you haven't been inviting the Lord into the relationships and experiences and the trials and the projects of your life, can I just say you need to repent and invite him? Especially you who are struggling right now. Maybe work is just, just a nightmare. Just, you're just, you know, every day is miserable. Invite the Lord to go with you to work. These guys were going to work, by the way. This, this sounds cool, like I built it up. Like, oh, it's a building project. These guys are going to go work. Maybe your marriage is tough right now. It's just tough. Have you invited the Lord in your marriage? Have you humbled yourself and said, Lord, would you come into my marriage? Would you do this? Or grab your spouse, your wife, or your husband and just say, let's, see, let's invite the Lord into our marriage. Maybe you're parenting. Maybe you're at that place where the terrible twos or terrible teens or terrible tweens or whatever, what's going on? Invite the Lord. Humble yourself. Maybe you're a single person and you're miserable and you want to be married. Hey, invite the Lord to go with you. Whatever project you're doing, check this out, verse four. So he went with them. And when they came to the Jordan, they cut down trees. I like verse four because this is Bible school. These are Bible guys. These are ministry-driven folks. And you know what they're doing here? Work. Dirty work. Cutting down trees, man. Getting, this is, they didn't have still saws and all that. Man, they had axes and whatever. <clears throat> Let me say it this simply. If you want to be in the ministry, okay, it starts with the dirty work. It starts with doing stuff. It starts with helping out. As a matter of fact, today's Thursday. You'll see this on Sunday. But tomorrow's Friday. And we have two move jobs here at South Beach Church, one at 11 a.m. and one at 4 p.m. And I'm going to be at both of them for a time, helping people unload trucks and load up trucks. And man, we, I have done more move jobs, okay, than U-Haul, you know, because it's, it's what the church does. And I just want to encourage you guys and gals to be mindful of being useful to the people around you. Matter of fact, we've been talking with some of our uh, leaders and volunteers about organizing a helps ministry and, and how cool that'd be to organize some of the guys in our town to just help people. Jesus said, it's better to give than to receive. Well, these guys, they get dirty. They go out and work. And if you want to be a leader, man, you got to get ready to work. Look at verse five. We see this cool story. But as one was cutting down a tree, the iron axe head fell off into the water and he cried out and said, alas, master, for it was borrowed. <laughs> so the man of God said, where did it fall? And he showed him the place. So he cut off a stick, Elisha did, threw it in there and he made the iron float. And therefore he said, pick it up for yourself. And so he reached out his hand and he took it. <laughs> this is such a fun story because it made the Bible. It really happened. And it's just so cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. Like what this iron head axe floated and what's this guy doing? Alas, master, it was a borrowed axe head. You know, it's like Shakespeare or something. Let me put a few thoughts out there for us in consideration. Number one, there's only one thing worse than losing a tool. And that's losing somebody else's tool. This was a borrowed tool. You ever borrowed somebody's stuff before? And like, it just so happens that on that particular day, you're driving that RV you borrowed or you're taking that thing for a spin or maybe you borrow that tool. And it's just, it's just that particular day that it breaks or something bad happens or you lose it. 
there's nothing worse than that. It's just always this way. You house sit someone's house and their dog escapes and, you know, the spare room burns down. All these are stories I've never experienced personally. But I'm sure that's happened to some of you. Well, this guy cries out and he says, Master, this axe head is gonzo. And, and, and Elisha shows up and he breaks the stick off and, and finds it for him. But here's a few things that, that I want to just point out, what this, what this could point to. These guys are ministry guys. And this guy was chopping away at this tree and, and all of a sudden the power in his tool, the power in his, his ability to do what he was there to do was gone. He lost it. He lost the power. Now he could have at that moment just pretended with his wooden handle, just keep chopping that tree, making noise and a lot of activity, a lot of movement, just going through the motions. But instead he admitted and brought light to the fact that he'd blown it. Something was wrong. It was an accident. We see what's going on here. It was just an accident. But can I just encourage you, if there's areas in your life where you're just powerless, where that cutting edge is it's no longer there, maybe you're a ministry person or, or like I said, in your marriage, and it's just you're not where you used to be, there is no other way to get back to that source of power, back to that place of a cutting edge, a sharpness. There's no other way rather than, other than admitting it, number one, and then bringing light to it. Remember he admitted it, hey, last master, I blew it, what's going on? And he said, well, where did you lose that? He says, right here. He says, right here, right there. And he brought light to the situation. In our lives, there are times where we're walking in power, we're walking in sharpness, we're walking in effectivity. And there are times where we lose it. And instead of faking it, can I compel you? Just admit it. I'm just not sharp. I'm I'm powerless. And notice what Elisha does next. He breaks off this piece of a tree. This is... Guys, I don't know why he did it. We do know that scripturally, biblically, the tree always points to the cross. It always points to the cross. And this is thousands of years, hundreds of years before Jesus. But he takes this tree and he throws it in the water. And this speaks of admitting it and bringing light to it. And then bringing it to the cross. Bringing it to Jesus and finding forgiveness and newness and refreshing from the Holy Spirit when you repent, like it says in the book of Acts. Check this out, though. Then, as this axe head floats to the surface, it's a straight-up miracle. Notice that Elisha says, look, I'm just going to read it because I want you to see this. Verse 7, therefore he said, pick it up yourself. (laughs) This is nuts. Because... Elisha's doing miracles, and I'm just like, whatever, dude, do a miracle. Why didn't he just snap his fingers? No tree involved, you know, no, no admission, no pointing. And the axe head fly out, you know, and reconnect to the handle. Wouldn't that be, I'm fine with that. But instead it floats, and it just sits there. And Elisha's looking at it. The guy's looking at it. They're both looking at it. He's like, get it yourself. <laughs> why? Here's why. Because the Lord wants us to participate in the miracles that he brings to our life. He wants us to be participatory. He wants us to be included in it. Somebody right now is sitting at home, praying, waiting, watching, and wondering what the Lord's going to do next. And the Lord has provided the tree. And the Lord has provided his Holy Spirit. And the Lord has provided repentance and restoration and newness and power. He's given everything you need to get into the water, the water of his word, the water of action. And man, I'll tell you what, just take the Lord at his word and you do it yourself. Here's a principle. 
the Lord will always be responsible for doing what you cannot do for yourself. That's good news. But the Lord also will not do what you can do for yourself. Sometimes people wonder why they're powerless and why they're walking in dullness. And I ask them, well, are you in the water? Are you going to the table of the Lord? Are you, are you spending time at the cross? Are you, are you praying, meditating, worshiping? Are you doing these things? No. What was that? Can we <laughs> say it to my face? What do you mean, no? You, you got to do it yourself, man. Hey, take this little story, this little, 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 little kind of junk drawer story. It just kind of goes in the junk drawer. Everything in the junk drawer is not really junk. It's very valuable. That's why you don't throw it away. And this is one of those stories that I want you to tuck away in the kind of the, the, you know, the toolbox. And God's going to use it for the rest of your life. Well, check this out. The story keeps going. This is, this is how we're growing our faith today, guys. It says, now the king of Syria, verse 8, was making war against Israel. And he consulted with his masters saying, my camp will be in such and such a place. And the man of God, that's Elisha, sent to the king of Israel, who's, also, who's a bad guy. Okay, just stop right there, eyes up here. You got the king of Syria and the king of Israel, both bad guys. And then you got the man of God, he's in the middle. Okay, that's what's happening here. We see the king of Syria had sent a letter in chapter five from Naaman, and they kind of had maybe a peace treaty for a moment. You know, they, they weren't friends. And so the king of Syria, bad guys, are ma- messing with the king of Israel, who at that time was a bad guy. And then you got Elisha, okay, that's what's happening here. So look at verse nine, the man of God sent to the king of Israel, who's a bad guy, saying, hey, beware that you do not pass this place for the Syrians are coming down there. Now, it's interesting that the king of Syria is bad. That makes sense. But it's also interesting that the king of Israel is bad and yet God has given to him a man of God to lead him and to help him. I wanna make sure you hear that. The king of Israel is not a good guy. He does bad things, he says bad things. And yet God provides for that man protection because that's what God does. God provides, as a matter of fact, in this particular story, we're gonna see God is kind to both sides. God has given to you and me as believers the ministry of reconciliation to God and to man, to God and to man. See, we're not supposed to, as believers, choose sides and attack some and defend others. He's given to us the ministry of reconciliation between God and man. And God wants to protect and provide for everybody, anybody who's willing and everybody who's unworthy. Well, Elisha tells the king of Israel, don't go here, the king of Syria is trying to get you. He's kind of just a, you know, espionage, sabotage. Look at verse 10. Well, then the king of Israel sent someone to the place of which the man of God told him. Thus he warned him. And he was watchful there, not just once or twice. (laughs) This is like a comedy. In other words, every time the Syrian king would do something, Elisha would get word of it, a word of knowledge. And he would warn the king of Israel. And the king of Israel would be able to react and protect himself. Did you know that this is exactly how the Lord is for you and I? See, we're always under attack. The devil never takes a day off. He never slows down. He's always out to get you. And yet God, through his word and through his spirit, are always, not once, not twice, but constantly warning you, trying to get my attention when I'm getting off course, when I'm drifting, when I'm about to, listen, walk into a trap. And I just want you right now, and maybe me right now, to say, Lord, would you warn me if I'm walking into a trap? Would you warn me? And would you get after me? And would you, would you just, and would you do it not once or twice? But would you warn me for the rest of my life? 
well, this is God's character. This is what God does. This is what God is doing right now. And I just want to thank God for that. Lord, thank you. Please warn me and let me hear your voice. Let me never, Lord, have it my way, but instead always your way. Well, check this out. Therefore, verse 11, the heart of the king of Syria was greatly troubled by this thing. And he called his servants and said to them, will you not show me which one of us is for the king of Israel? He's looking for a traitor in the group. Like, how's this happening? And one of his servants said, none, my lord, O king, but Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, he tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. In other words, king, there's nothing hidden from the man of God. And the principle is so spot on. Did you know that there's nothing hidden, hidden from God in man? No matter what you say, no matter what you think, no matter what you're doing, even in your bedroom, the Lord knows. That's something that you and I need to be thankful for and be cognizant of, lest we find ourselves thinking, nobody knows, nobody sees, nobody cares. When in reality, God knows all. God knows all. Verse 13, so he said, go and see where he is that I may send and get him. And it was told him saying, surely he is in Dothan. That's where he's living at right now. Now stop right there. And Isaac, I just want to put this out there. What's Elisha doing? He's literally serving the Lord. That's all he's doing. And what happens when he's serving the Lord? He gets attacked. I wish it weren't true. But the fact is that if you become a servant of the Most High God, if you become a leader in your family, a leader in the church, a leader in the community, okay, you're going to, in addition to making the best decision of your life, you're going to bring upon you attacks. Okay? That's why we study. That's why we stay in the light. That's why we get in the Word. Because the attacks will come. Well, the attacks are coming for Elisha. Verse 14, Therefore he sent horses and chariots and a great army there, and they came by night and surrounded the city. Oh, no. And when the servant of the... Stop right there. This is funny. Elisha knows everything. And so this king says, let's go sneak attack him by night. Uh, we'll just sneak upon him when he's not looking. Like, well, dude, if verse 12 is true. <laughs> okay. Anyways, the enemy's dumb. He, he actually is dumb. Uh, he's limited compared to God. Well, this guy, he thinks he's going to sneak up on Elijah. Elisha. And when the servant, verse 15, of the man of God arose early and went out, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. And his servant said to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? Gehazi wakes up early in the morning. He's on his way to Ultra Life to get some donuts and some coffee. And he walks out the door and he sees chariots. The Syrians are there. And he runs back and he's like, Oh, master, we're going to die, Zs. What shall we do, Zs? Verse 16. And so he answered, Elisha, do not fear. For those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Stop right there. Eyes up here. Elisha's going to pray. And Gehazi's going to have his eyes opened. And he's actually going to see what Elisha sees. But Elisha's first words to him is, do not fear. Because there are more with us than them. Do you guys understand this about the promises of God and the reality of God? See, the world from time to time will try and help. I see folks, good-meaning folks, good-intentioned folks on Facebook during moments of tragedy say, sending you good vibes. What? Dude, don't be sending vibes my way. You know, thoughts. Sending thoughts. What? And I get, I'm sorry, but, I, but listen, 
what Elijah, Elisha says here is not empty. Fear not. Okay? What, but, but, the, but we're going to die. I'm very afraid. Oh, no, no. Fear not because there is a substance to the command of fear not. David said, I will fear no evil because you are with me. Paul said in the book of Romans, nothing shall separate us from the love of God because of Jesus. You see, when the Bible declares promises, it is because of the substance of the power of God and the purpose of God and the presence of God and the plan of God. You need to understand this if you're a Christian here. If you're listening right now, you have every reason to give promises with substance to the men and women around you and even to the person you see in the mirror. Why are you cast down, oh my soul? Your hope is in the Lord. Kind of like me when I was driving on Coburg Road today, all bummed out. And the Lord said, hey, do you think I'm here doing stuff right now? Yeah? Then act like it. Oh, man. There are more with us than with them. Look at verse 17. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. And then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Stop right there, eyes up here. There's already chariots and horses, bad guys. And then Elisha prays and Gehazi's eyes are opened and he sees chariots and horses of fire in more number than the bad guys. Now here's the part I want you to pay attention to. Elisha prayed, not for help, because the help was already there. Elisha prayed not for chariots and not for horses because the chariots and horses were already there. Elisha didn't pray for the enemy to go away because the enemy was already conquered. You know what Elisha prayed for? Spiritual eyes. Let me just see what you see, God. This will change everything because right now someone's praying. You're at home, you're desperate. You're praying for change. You're praying for things to move. You're praying for things to go. You're praying for things to come. I understand all that. What you need to pray is, Lord, open up my eyes. Let me see what you see, Lord. Because God is for you, not against you. And if the Lord is for you, who can be against you? There's no weapon formed against you that shall prosper. God is causing all things to work together for good. And if you pray for things to go, and if you pray for things to come, And it's not what God wants to do in going and coming, but instead God wants to just show you what he is doing. Wouldn't it be radical if you just prayed, Lord, what are you doing? Right now, I'm so, I'm so uneased right now. I'm so diseased right now. I'm so whatever right now. Lord, would you just show me what you see? And let me also challenge you. Elisha wasn't mad at Gehazi. And he didn't yell at Gehazi and try and convince Gehazi. Gehazi, don't you see? Can't you see? Gehazi, stop being a baby, big baby, you know? Sometimes when I do counseling appointments, I look at the people I'm counseling and they start talking and I'm just kind of wondering, don't they see? Don't they know the promises of God? They do know the promises. And, and what I'm doing when I'm counseling is I'm not really <laughs> changing anything. I can't change. <laughs> I actually can't change anything. But I can pray and help you to see. And when you see, and this is what counseling happens, a counseling meeting, and this is, you could take counsel on God's word, is when your vision changes and you become that person of faith that we read about in Hebrews 11. The Bible says that those men and women had faith to see the unseen. This is, Elisha's not tripping. As a matter of fact, he's going to do something and see something even great. 
greater than, than Gehazi I could even imagine. Alas, master, we perish, uh, you know. And Elisha's like, Lord, why don't you show him what really is going on? Well, check this out. So when the Syrians, verse, verse 17, he prayed and he opened up his eyes and he saw that. So verse 18, when the Syrians came down to him, here comes the bad guys. They walk in. The Syrian guys didn't see the chariots of fire. Elisha did. Gehazi did. The Syrians come marching right up. And then Elisha prayed, verse 18, to the Lord. And he said, strike this people, I pray, with blindness. And he struck the people with blindness, according to the word of Elijah. Now, I think this was a partial blindness because I think they were blind to where they were and what they were looking for. I don't think they were completely, you know, uh, bat blind. I don't think that was the case, but they were, they, were, they were blinded. And look at what he says next in verse 19. Then Elisha said to him, this is not the way, nor is this the city. Follow me and I will bring you to the man whom you seek. But he led them to Samaria. Elisha now looks at these guys who are blinded and he says, these are not the droids you are looking for. You know, it does a Jedi mind trick on them. Now, Elisha's doing something. You're going to see in just a minute that's fascinating. These are bad guys. These are Syrian raiders that came to kill him. Now they're blinded. And I don't care what kind of arsenal you have, what kind of military prowess you, you've got going for you. When you're blinded or confused or disoriented, it's, you're done. You're defeated. These guys are as good as defeated. And Elisha, though, in their blindness, has, I believe, a heart of compassion. He could just kill them all right now and do what he needed to do to defend himself, but instead he's gonna play a big old practical joke on everybody, and he leads them right to the Sumerian king, to the king of Israel there in Samaria. Let's read the story. So he led them to Samaria, verse 20. So it was when they had come to Samaria that Elisha said, Lord, open the eyes of these men that they may see. And the Lord opened their eyes and they saw, and there they were inside Samaria. And I'll stop right there, eyes up here. Just look at the contrast here. First, Elisha prays that Gehazi's eyes would be opened. Ta-da. Then he prays that the Syrian raiders' eyes would be closed. Ta-da. And then he leads them to the camp of the Israelis in the Samaria, and he prays that their eyes would be opened. Ta-da. You know, all this. Elisha is just the master and commander. And yet he's doing this on purpose. Now, the king of Israel sees this opportunity and look at his response, verse 21. Now, when the king of Israel saw them, he said to Elisha, my father, shall I kill them? Shall I kill them? He's like a kid in a candy store. Can I kill him? Can I kill him? Like, what? Dude, get your head out of the gutter. Verse 22, but Elisha answered him, you shall not kill them. <laughs> Would you kill those? whom you have taken captive, you know, prisoners of war, with your sword and bow. Instead, set food and water before them that they may eat and drink and go back to their master. What? And then he prepared a great feast for them. A great feast? And after they ate and drank, he sent them away and they went to their master. And so the bands of the Syrian raiders came no more into the land of Israel. What a weird story. Guy's a weird... St- don't ever forget this story. Put that in the junk drawer right next to the axe head story thing, man. Pull this out. What's God doing? I can't see. I can't see what's going on. Lord, would you change everything? N- no? Oh, Lord, would you change me? Lord, they can't see. They're so dumb. They're in my way. They just... Man, there's... Lord, would you... Would you open their eyes? Have you ever prayed that for a blind person before? A spiritually blind person? Somebody who doesn't see what you see? They're walking in darkness. They, they don't have any respect for you. Have you... Have you prayed for them to have their eyes open? Because you who are Christians, your eyes are open, right? And you have seen, and once you see, you can never unsee. 
But until you can see, man, you really can't see. See? So you go pray that people can see. Don't get mad at them. Imagine if Elisha walked over to Gehazi and started slapping him around. You know, and how many times have you tried to slap around somebody or make fun of somebody? You ever made fun of somebody that just doesn't get it? And they, don't do that. Pray for them to see. And then we see this crazy feast at the end. The bad guys, the Syrians coming in to Israel. Another bunch of bad guys coming in. And they have a meal together. In Arab cultures, Syrians... And in Jewish cultures, Samaria and Israel, the king, eating together was a, a bond of unity where you would partake of the same food, put it in your body, and therefore it was commemorative of unity. You were, you were now one. It's actually a really special thing. We don't have the same appreciation in America. And I've been to uh, Middle Eastern countries and, and eaten in people's homes, and it is a high honor Matter of fact, the Jews would never eat with a Gentile because they didn't want that union, that bond in the Old Testament until, until Jesus came. And so we see this enemy eating with another enemy and the man of God standing there in the middle. No, don't kill him. You're blind, now you can see, now eat. Guys, we see the gospel all throughout these texts. We see the story, the problems, the, the stuff. Oh man, it's this group against that group and this group's a bad group and that group's a really bad group and that group's pretty bad, but they're not as bad as that group. So bad, you know. And the Lord's like, pray for them to see and prepare a meal for them. Oh, I'm not going to prepare a meal for nobody, you know. I'm not going to prepare a meal for no bad guys. Oh, well, read the book. Read the book. Eat with your enemies. The Bible actually says that when your enemy is hungry or thirsty, it's to give him food and water. For in so doing, you heap coals of fire on his head. How many of that sounds cool to you guys? Like, yeah, let's fire torch this guy, burn him up. You guys know what that really means. To heap coals of fire on someone's head means to give them fire in a bowl that they would keep on their head because their fire had gone out and they didn't have propane stoves back then. And when you're nice to your enemy, when you're kind to your enemy, when you're kind and you prepare a meal and you care and you bring people to the cross and you love and you pray for them to have sight. Remember when Saul was attacking Christians? Acts chapter 9. And Saul was attacking Christians and Jesus blinded him, blinded him. Elisha blinded these Syrians. And Jesus blinded Saul, and he became humbled. And then Ananias prayed for Saul in Acts chapter 9, and he got his sight back, and he was baptized. And the Bible says he eats, and he begins to preach in Jesus' name. He has his life changed. If you're a Christian here, there is a high responsibility to your faith right now. You are being tested. You are in your race. You are running right now. You need to fuel with a proper understanding of what God wants you to do, to not form and take sides. Look at Elisha here. He's, he's being a peacemaker. He's being a peacemaker. Jesus Christ came to be a peacemaker, to bring peace between God and man and to bring brother and brother, to bring peace. This story is seen right here in the midst of chaos. Matter of fact, it's so bad, I want it to keep going, but I just don't wanna, I don't wanna rush through this next scene. You can read ahead. But in this next scene, there's a, 
a drought that's so bad. There's a difficulty, a famine in the land where there's such difficulty. And even in that time, God's promises are true. God has a plan. He's going to do what only God can do. And right now, Christian, week 16, coronavirus. We're going to end with that. There's all kinds of lines being drawn, isn't there? Just weird lines. There are lines being drawn. People with different opinions, different convictions, different outlooks. There are the mask people and the the non-mask people. And there are the people that even when they're wearing their mask, inside their heart, they're not wearing their mask. You know what I'm saying? There's there's people, you know what I'm saying? Hey, 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 hey. And there are people who, who think this and think that. And, and they're all, it's all horizontal, you know. It's all down here. It's all real low, low on the radar. And there are things that we need to look up and say, Lord, I'm a peacemaker. Who would you have me to break bread with? Who would you have me to, to bless and to serve? Who would you have me to pray for that their eyes might be open? Lord, how would you have me to pray for myself that my eyes are open? I'm telling you, Christian, we don't have anything to be afraid of because there are more with us than with them. And what is the them? Anything. Any problem you have right now. Any problem you have, but what about this? What? Elisha had seen, Gehazi had seen, there's bad guys everywhere. And yet the Lord has provided through his spirit. And may our faith increase. Matter of fact, in your life groups, we're gonna put the life group questions together right after this teaching. But in your life groups, I guess, I want you to ask, to go through the, the hall of faith. And if you don't have a life group, just go get into Hebrews 11 and just read. I read it to you quickly and I hope you were just like, what? Sawn in two, destitute and beaten by faith. And look at your own life. Are you being tested right now? Are things tough? Is there challenges? Take a pulse check. Pinch yourself. If you have a pulse, you have a purpose. I'm gonna say a prayer right now and ask God to encourage us by faith in the race we're running. Lord, in Jesus' name, I thank you, God, that you are so good, so faithful, and so kind. Lord, you're so merciful, so patient, that, Lord, even in my blindness and in my stubbornness, Lord, you are the one who upholds your promises, for you are faithful. And I pray for my brothers and sisters who are watching this, Lord, and I pray for the people that aren't watching this, the ones who are too blind to see, they're not gonna tune in, the ones who are working with or shopping with or living next to or related to whoever the people are in our life that don't see this and don't see you. I pray in Jesus' name, you'd make us peacemakers. Make us those, Lord, like Elisha, who don't respond like the, 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 the Israeli king who wanted to kill them, but instead who wanted to feed them. I pray in Jesus' name, you'd soften our hearts. God, we do pray for our county. We pray that we would open soon. We pray that the COVID cases, Lord, would decrease, that those battling the illness would be strengthened, Lord. We'd have no more deaths. We pray for mercy on those families, Lord, who've lost loved ones. Be with them in their grieving here in Lincoln County and all over Oregon and the world. And Lord, we plead the blood of Jesus over our body, mind, and spirit. Protect us and we plead your mercy, Lord, over every relationship and every first responder and hospital worker, Lord, and our government locally and state level and federally, Lord, we plead your mercy. We, We, Lord, intercede on behalf of all the issues that are going on. Would you open up eyes? Just open up eyes that we would see what you're doing and let that revival begin with us. 
God, we thank you. Help us to not forsake the assembling of the brethren, but instead to stir each other up, whether it's two or three or more gathered together. We love you, God. We appreciate all you've done for us. Forgive us of our sins. Lord, we're such knuckleheads. We're such babies. Lord, we get so weak in this marathon of life. And I thank you, Lord, that your forgiveness, your grace and mercy is new and flowing right now. Would you bless us? Thank you for your time in the word. Bless us and prepare us for next Sunday as well or as we finish up chapter six and get through chapter seven as well and see, Lord, your provision, your mighty miracles. We love you, God. Do all these things we pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen and amen. God bless you guys. Don't forget to comment below and share these posts and send in your prayer request to southbeachchurch at gmail.com. And if you wanna be on Pastor Marty's newsletter and get updates about the church and, and just connect with us. We're available on Facebook Messenger and all the, all the platforms online. We love you guys very much. I believe we're working on a new app. It's being kind of reviewed right now by the app provider and it's gonna go live sometime this next soon. I don't know when, but we'll let you know and more, more ways to connect with us. Other than that, stay in the scriptures, read your Bible and pray every single day. God bless you guys. We'll see you very soon. 